I'm bringing him outside to you to let you know that I find no grounds for charging him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, here is the man. When the chief priests and the temple police saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. Pilate responded, take him and crucify him for yourselves, for I find no grounds for charging him. We have a law, the Jews replied to him. And according to that law, he must die because he made himself the son of God. The Jewish leaders have been waiting for this moment. Remember, all the way back in early parts of John, they were furious at him and seeking ways to kill him because he made himself equal with God. And remember, this was a charge that Jesus did not deny. He made himself the Son of God. Then when Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid than ever. He went back to the headquarters and asked Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus did not give him an answer. So Pilate said to him, you're not talking to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? You would have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered him, if it hadn't been given you from above. This is why the one who has handed me over to you has the greater sin. From that moment, Pilate made every effort to release him, but the Jews shouted, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Anyone who makes himself king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside. He sat down on the judge's bench in a place called the Stone Pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for the Passover, and it was the sixth hour. Then he told the Jews, here is your king. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, should I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. So then, because of them, he handed him over to be crucified. Therefore, they took Jesus away. Carrying his own cross, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There, they crucified him. Crucifixion was the horrific Roman punishment for criminals. So horrific that Roman citizens were exempt from that type of punishment and of death. The person was stripped naked after they were flogged, and they were nailed to posts that were hanging up on a wooden post. There was a crossbeam across, and they would, they would nail the, the, the hand or the wrist area they would take nine-inch nails, and they would drive the nail through the wrist so that it was stuck to the wood on both sides, and then they would take the feet, and they would nail the feet down into the, uh, the, the vertical beam, and as the person is hanging there, they are 
choking to death. They have no breath, so they have to force themselves to come, to come up like this so that they can get a breath. And as they are doing that, they are literally ripping, the nails are ripping through the flesh as they are coming up for breath. They handed him over to be crucified. And there they crucified the Christ, the Son of God, through whom we have life in His name. And they crucified Him and two others with Him, one on either side with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had a sign lettered and put on the cross. The inscription was, Jesus the Nazarene, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign. Because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, don't write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier. They also took the tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who gets it. They did this to fulfill the scripture that says, they divided my clothes among themselves and cast lots for my clothing. And this is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. The amount of agony Jesus was in and still able to make this statement is amazing. He then said to the disciple, we believe to be John, who wrote this gospel. He then said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled... He said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Since it was the preparation day, the Jews did not want the bodies to remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a special day. They requested that Pilate have the, man, the men's legs broken and that their bodies be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other one who had been crucified with him. When they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs since they saw he was already dead. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. 
He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows he is telling the truth. For these things happen that so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. Also, another Scripture says, they will look at the one they pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus but secretly, because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took his body away. Nicodemus, who had previously come to him at night, also came, bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. Then they took Jesus' body down and wrapped it in linen cloths with the aromatic spices according to the burial custom of the Jews." There was a garden in the place where he was crucified. A new tomb was in the garden. No one had yet been placed in it. They placed Jesus there because of the Jewish preparation and since the tomb was nearby. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer. Lord, it is... It's difficult... To read this. It's a challenge to take this in. For many of us, we know what happened. We've read it many years. We've, we've become very familiar with the details of it, but still... It's difficult to take it in. It's a challenge to consider what Jesus went through for us. So, Lord, give me the words to speak and the, all of us the ears to hear. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us. Amen. It, it's, it's tough. It's a challenge because this is what Jesus volunteered himself for. And this is why there's those moments in Jesus' ministry where he would go off by himself. He would pray to the Father throughout the night. There are times where he would tell his disciples, the Son of Man is going to be handed over, and he's going to be beaten, he's going to be killed. And Jesus, in His physical body, 
experienced this type, uh, there's no other word to use, torture. These were real nails. This is real wood. Real hands and feet and sides. Blood and water. Just the crown of thorns in and of itself being placed upon his head and the amount of blood that would have been trickling, flowing down his face. It's important for us to remember this. It's important for us to not have a sanitized Christianity. Why did Jesus submit Himself to this? There's many times where we read that this was done to fulfill prophecy. This is done to fulfill what had been written about Him. And at least three different prophecies mentioned here in John. And Matthew records a couple of others about this. How this is what was, was prophesied that the Christ would endure. And the question is, why did the Christ endure this? Why did the Son of God born of the Virgin Mary, that we celebrate His birth on Christmas. Why was this in His future? Well, the Bible is very clear that Jesus came and lived a sinless life in order to give His life as a ransom for many. John the Baptist when he declared, he said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. In the Old Testament, the Lamb that was, was brought into the, to, into the holy place and the, the priest would slaughter the Lamb. They would, they would slice the neck of the Lamb. I know we have little ears here, but I, we've got to be able to stress this. The lamb was sacrificed. The blood of the lamb would flow out. A death would occur. And in the old covenant, that death was, was recognized as this lamb is the substitute for the man. This lamb was the sacrifice that was, was required for each and every Israelite. Because when we think back at it, it was each and every Israelite because of his sin against God and because of his rebellion against the Lord, it was each and every person that deserved to die. Their blood was to be spilled. They were the ones who were supposed to bear the punishment for their sins. The wages of sin is death. But in the Old Covenant, God, being merciful and gracious, said that I, I require your blood, but I will allow the substitute in your place. So they would bring their bulls. They would bring their goats. They would bring their sacrifices. And the high priest and the priest... Blood would spill all over the altar. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. Because the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. 
So Jesus shows up and he provides the sacrifice that satisfies the righteous demands of God, the wrath of God. The one who is not worthy of death voluntarily dies. This is the gospel message. The one who does not deserve to die is the one who willingly died. Jesus made it clear. No one takes my life from me. The Romans don't take it from me. The high priest doesn't take it from me. There are many times where the crowds were pressed around Jesus and they were angry with him and they wanted to put him to death and he just slipped right through their midst. When it wasn't Jesus's time, they couldn't do anything to him, but when the time was to be fulfilled. Jesus didn't slip through their mist. Jesus said, here I am. And the physical pain that he endured, he endured for us. But it wasn't just physical pain that Jesus endured. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before He was arrested, Jesus was in agony. He was in anguish of soul. Why was He in agony? Why was He in such anguish? Why was He crying out to the Father, if it be your will, let this cup be taken from me? What, was Jesus just afraid of, of the crucifixion that was about to come? No, Jesus was, cons- was in anguish, not just because of the crucifixion, but Jesus knew that all the crucifixion, everything that was tied into it, All of that was because Jesus was going to become sin and He was going to be the sin offering. See, in the Old Covenant, they would place their hand upon the sacrifice and they would would confess their sins and there would be this understanding that this person's sins are being transferred to this sacrificial animal and when the death occurs in the animal, that takes away the sin. Well, Jesus knew when He was hanging on the cross that He was going to take the sin of the world upon Himself. I'll never forget this this vivid image. I believe it was in the the Jesus... the Jesus app on the phone through version, and they had Jesus on the cross, and He was there, and then it talks about how He became sin, and they had, oh, I'm going to tear up again, they had these little black dots that were just kind of like going straight to Him recognizing how he's taking, uh, the Bible says, all who believe in him shall be saved, and he bears their sin, and that the sin of those who will be saved are being taken upon him. And there's all these little dots, these little black dots coming upon him and sticking to him until eventually it's just one huge black dot as he's taking this sin upon himself, and he dies, he who is not worthy of condemnation becomes sin for us. 
took the nails, bore the cross. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. And so he's without sin, but when he goes to the cross... God brings, the Father brings all the sin of everyone who will believe and places it upon Him and He becomes sin and He dies. He is not worthy of condemnation, but He receives the wrath of God, the righteous one who is not worthy of condemnation, is hanged on a tree. And whose sin is he taking? Ours. This is why when someone says, well, when I, when I die and I stand before God, I'm going to tell God how, you know, there are certain things that I avoided, there are certain things that I did, they're, they're, I'm sure my good will outweigh my bad, and I'll just, I'm pretty sure God will understand that I tried my best. When Jesus was hanging on the cross. He wasn't hanging on the cross with an understanding that God will let you get by because you tried your best. The wages of sin is death. There are certain things you avoided. The Bible says that there is no one righteous, not even one. All people are worthy of condemnation because they are sinners. Everybody is a sinner. We inherit from Adam a sinful nature, and it brings us into this world spiritually dead. Our sin comes from our rebellion against God that we inherited from Adam, and it is out of our heart that sin and evil comes, and we're the ones worthy of condemnation. But Jesus takes away our sin. This is why the gospel is so wonderful. This is why the, the, the Good Friday, the, today's Palm Sunday, but we've got Good Friday coming up, and we've got Easter next Sunday. This is why this is so wonderful, because what happens is that even though we are worthy of death, even though we are deserving the wrath of God, Jesus steps in and takes our place. The wrath of God is taken upon Him, and the punishment we deserve is gone because it is fully absorbed within the Christ, the Son of God, and this is why we may have life in His name, because the punishment we deserve is taken upon Him, and it's gone. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, O my soul." It's good for us to remember what Jesus went through, and it's also good for us to remember that Jesus went through this for us, to save us. Jesus is righteous. He's good. He did not deserve to die. He deserves life, and that is why even when He took the punishment upon Himself, this is why that three days later He rose from the dead because Jesus is like, death can't hold me. Death can't. Death has no power 
over Jesus. And he shared. Jesus has life. And Jesus shares that life with us. You remember a couple of weeks ago, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know why Jesus said that? Jesus knew He was going to the cross, and Jesus knew what was going to happen there, and Jesus knew He was going to raise from the dead, and Jesus knew that everyone who believes in Him, places their faith in Him, repents of their sins, turns to Him, they are going to receive eternal life. This coming Friday, you're going to hear people call it Good Friday. And I hope you have a better appreciation for why it's so good. You remember the comic BC, my favorite uh, Good Friday comic? Do you remember BC? Uh, the cavemen, they were in the, the comic, uh, the newspapers. And the, the guy that wrote them was a Christian. And so there were two guys that were sitting there, and it was Good Friday. And this one guy was like, I don't understand why they call it good. This was the day in which my Lord was crucified. And the other person was like, well, if you were scheduled for crucifixion that day, and Jesus stepped in and took your place, how would you feel? He said, good. And the other guy was like, well, have a nice day. <laughs> it's a Good Friday. It's especially good knowing that Jesus doesn't stay dead. Jesus' death on the cross is the sacrifice that satisfies the wrath of God. Jesus' death on the cross is the perfect sacrifice for sin. If you are in Christ, you are forgiven, cleansed, and set apart for His service. If you are not in Christ, you are still in your sins, and the wrath of God is upon you. Listen closely. If you die in your rebellion, you will be judged in the lake of fire for eternity. But you can come to Jesus and be saved. Repent of your sins and be healed. And when you are saved, the Bible says that God puts in you a new heart and a new spirit so that you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and to give God the glory He deserves. And I pray that this upcoming Friday would not just be a good Friday, it would be the best Friday you have ever had. As you're thankful for what Jesus did for you. We're going to have a time of invitation. Uh, Andy and the praise team are going to come up. And I invite you, if you have never repented, turned away from your sins, if you have never repented of your sins, do so today. If you have never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, today's the day to do so and be saved. Don't go another day apart from Jesus. Jesus made it clear, in this world you will have trouble but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. And how did Jesus overcome the world? By destroying the works of the devil, by destroying the power of sin and death, and by promising eternal life for all who believe.
Let's sing. Let's dance. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour.